Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. A great crowd, great spirit here all weekend. Wow. Last weekend was the Super Bowl, right? Now, I want you to be honest with me. How many of you thought at the end of the third quarter, Atlanta had it? Yeah, me too. How about you? You didn't think they had it, huh? <sighs> Disgusting. <laughs> that was a great game, though, wasn't it? Wow. Well, hold it down. <laughs> I would have loved to have been at your house and your house <laughs> when they were coming back. Anyway, uh, you know, the great thing about last weekend, though, was we had football Sunday at Salem Fields Community Church. We had, uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. We had a great time. Uh, but you know the greatest thing that happened last week? 25 people committed their life to Christ. Yes. So thank you for inviting your friends. Uh, thank you for being here and supporting and giving and all that you do. We couldn't do it without you. And uh, our Redskin guys, they had a great time, loved our church, and uh, it was just a fun day uh, to be in church. And that's what we want to do is have a little fun in church. That's why I married this rocker back here. Because she's been a rocker all my life. But I'm going to tell you what money can't buy. Can't buy them cinnamon rolls you bought me this morning. <laughs> they were good. <laughs> yeah, she's adding to my health problems. <laughs> but anyway, we're so glad that you are here. You know, modern-day criminals no longer need to resort to violence or robbery or all those things to gain to get to your money. Uh, thieves today uh, can easily, and without you even knowing it, they can steal your money through your identity through identity theft. Watch this. Once I got his credit card, I hit the ritziest shopping channel on TV. I got two Black Hills gold ankle bracelets, some stirrup pants, oh, and a set of those press-on nails with diamonds built right in. I know it's wrong, but I do not care. I feel like the prettiest girl in the whole development. <laughs> That's the way I feel. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, I like them stirrup pants. Um, <laughs> but you know, our enemy, we have an enemy, we know that. His name is Satan, and he works in a similar way uh, to steal our identity, and he's been doing that since the beginning of time. You know, his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy, but he begins by destroying us from the inside out by subtly chipping away at our uh, internal self-worth, our internal self-worth that, that resides in our God-given identity. All of us were created in the image of God, and he wants to chip away at that. In this series, uh, we're learning that our God-given identity is found in the fact that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and that our identity is not found in our, our feelings. It's not found in what we do. It's not found in, in, in the labels that other people place on us. Our identity is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So today, uh, we're continuing our series by helping us understand that money and what we own it, it, um, is another area of our identity that wrongly comes from thinking that we are what we own. You know, we look at things and we say, man, I'd love to have that. You know, we say, uh, look at my car. Or, man, look how hot my wife looks driving that car. You know, it, it, it can be hard to admit uh, that we often define our identity by what we own and our self-worth by those things. We buy a new car. 
and we put our butts on those nice temperature-controlled leather seats. I mean, they even got them now where they got air conditioning in them. You know, and so you either got a hot, oh, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we do that, and then we turn on our Bluetooth music, we put on our expensive Oakley shades that we charge on our American Express, talking on a $100 a month iPhone 7 Plus S, and uh, we say to everyone, look at me. Look what I own. Look who I am. Even though it's uh, financed for 72 months, and, um, and, if we're, and we're upside down, uh, that if we ever tried to sell, we're going to lose those same butts, and, and if we ever try to sell it, but hey, I'm cool driving it. Look at me. I'm cool driving it. And not only that, but look at what neighborhood we live in. You know, I, I live in such and such a neighborhood with all the amenities. I, I, and look at the clothes I wear, the places I take my kids, the place my kids go to school, and all the vacations that we go on. Just look at me. You know, just, just look at me. It's tough for us to admit, and I know it is, but many of us work hard to get our identity from what we own. This is based on the myth that I said earlier, I am what I own, that our value is based on our valuables, uh, that my net worth determines my self-worth. And, and, and of course, that's not true at all. That's the idea. If I only own a little, if I only own a little bit of stuff, then I'm only worth a little. But if I own a whole lot of stuff, I'm worth a whole lot. And that's the lie that we buy in. You know, we believe that, uh, we believe that, then you think I've got to get more because I want to be respected. I want to be liked. I want to be popular. I want to be the cool guy. I want to be the cool girl. I want to be looked up to, so I got to get more stuff. And if I get more, uh, people will respect me more. And that's a lie of Satan. That's how he chips away at who we are. He chips away at our, in, our, our internal identity uh, uh, by telling us we got to get more. It's amazing to me that people will pay for status. You know, a, a little symbol of status. Now, here's an example. Take two shirts. You got two shirts. Uh, they, they are both the same color. Uh, they're both made in Bangladesh. And one of them has a little logo on it that you pay $50 more for for that little logo. What are you paying for? You know, you, you think that little logo is gonna make you feel better about yourself and people will look at you and say, look at the shirt that guy wears. But it's still cotton and it's still made in Bangladesh. And, and I, if you wanna buy that little logo thing, go to Marshall's, you can get it a little cheaper at Marshall's. <laughs> you see, look at the label and you'll see that it's still made in Bangladesh. It's that we think that having more will give me more worth and, I, and will give me my identity. Jesus speaks to this in Luke 12 when he says, don't be always wishing for more uh, or wishing for what you don't have, for real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. Now, I've said this before, but we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like, right? You know, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. What's the logic of that? The person who dies with the most stuff still dies. It's been said the relationship measure of our wealth is how much we'd be worth if we lost all of our money. How much would you be worth if you lost all your stuff? What, what, how much would you be worth if someone stole all your money from your account? 
What would you be worth if, if somehow thieves broke into your house and stole all that you own or, or your brand new car is wrecked and you don't own anything? How much would you be worth if you lost it all? You see, the pitfall of thinking that the more money and possessions I have, the pitfall is thinking that I will increase my self-worth. Our life, though, I got to tell you, is far more valuable than the things we own. Your life is far more valuable than the things you own. My life is far more valuable than the things I own. So the question we need to ask is this. How much effect, ask yourself this, don't talk out loud because I don't want your neighbors to think you're going nuts, but how much effect does money and possessions have on the way you view yourself? How much effect? Does money and possessions have on the way you view yourself? For many people, that's their sense of self-worth and identity tends to rise and fall on how much money we make or how many possessions we own. No matter how hard we try not to, the truth is all of us, or most of us, I will say, have an emotional connection with money. We have emotional connection with money because we always feel better, we always feel more comfortable, we always feel more secure when money's not the issue. You know, I got money in the bank. I, you know, I got, I got a great retirement plan. You know, all my bills are paid. Everything's paid for but my house. And man, I am feeling good. Oh man, I'm broke. Uh, I, you know, they're going to cut my electricity off. Uh, my car payment's due. I can't pay it. My house is going into foreclosure. I mean, my life is falling apart. I'm nothing but a low-down loser. Our worth rises and falls on how much we own. For many people, their sense of self-worth rises and falls on how much we have. No matter how hard we try, we have that emotional connection to money, which brings us to our text today, the story of the rich young ruler. And I, and I would say most of you uh, have not uh, or have heard that story. Maybe some of you have, but it's found in Mark 10. You can turn your Bibles, but it says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, and do not fraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him. I love this statement. The Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. And that's why he was able to say, one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, like the rich young ruler in our scripture text, we know ourselves, we identify ourselves, we define ourselves by our possessions, by our things, by our stuff by our gadgets, you know? We pull out that phone and we think we're somebody because we got the latest, you know? And uh, this young man was so possessed by his stuff that he could not unstuff himself for the sake of the poor. You know, nor could he uh, unstuff himself for the sake of who he was in Christ through a relationship with him. He just could not let it go. He couldn't let it go. 
He was faced with the, the choice of holding on to his money and possessions or living, living out in life who he really was in Christ. And not only that, but living out and discovering the unknown possibilities that God had for his life. The unknown adventure as a disciple of Jesus. The rich young man decided in that moment to hold on to his money and possessions and the identity and worth that he found in it. Why is that? Because it was here that his heart found its identity, his identity. You know, this is who he was, a rich young ruler. He, he, here he found his identity and his worth and his joy and his enjoyment of life. Here he found his comfort. Here he found his security. Here he found his purpose in life. His money and possessions had become who he was instead of the life and identity that Christ wanted for him. You see, his money and what he owned had become what the Lord needed to be in his life. You know, money had replaced what, who God wanted to be and wants to be in our lives. Money had replaced who God wanted to be in the rich young ruler's life. To me, this is one of the saddest stories in the whole Bible. You know, there's a lot of sad stories. But, but this is a story that, that I can relate to, and it just kind of makes me sad when I think about this story. Uh, you know, uh, this man, the Bible says this man hung his head. I mean, he's talking to the Savior of the world. And he hung his head, and he walked away sad. And most likely, he spent his whole life sad. He probably spent his whole life trying to make enough money and get enough stuff to fill that hole, that vacuum in his life that only God can fill in his life. And he probably was sad all of his life trying to fill it up. You know why? Because we never learned his name. We never learned his name. All we know about that man was the rich young ruler. All we know him by was the rich young ruler. He is never mentioned again in the whole Bible. You know, there's no story about, well, the rich young ruler one day came to his senses and he began to give all of his money away, he began to serve the poor, he began to just pour out his life and God gave him a brand new identity and he's now known as the most generous man who ever walked on the face of the earth, that he found his identity in Christ, that he's a new creation born in Jesus Christ. Never talked about. Never found out who he really was in Jesus Christ. He was the saddest thing of all was that he never discovered his identity in Christ. Jesus may, may have been wanting him to destroy the system that we set up, the same system that he set up of, of worth and identity found in what we own, but the Bible says he sadly walked away. He sadly walked away. Instead of giving his established identity to the poor, or finding his true identity, worth, and purpose in Jesus and who he said he was. You see, Jesus was extending an invitation to this man to go on a great adventure with me, to go, to go places and do things and use your life in a way that you never dreamed of. God was offering him that day. And all he could focus on was the money and possessions. All he could think about was losing all that he'd worked his whole life for and giving it away to the poor. It was up to him to choose what he would do. As much as he loved God, the Bible says he loved God, and as much as he obeyed the law, he was trapped by and limited by what he owned. You see, Jesus wanted to give him a new name. Jesus wanted to give him a new identity. 
He was inviting, inviting him to come along into a, a life of walking in God's plans, following God's purpose, where God leads and supplies all that we've ever needed. I, you know, Gay and I were talking, I think she brought up the other day, we were talking, she said, you know, buddy, we live far below what God's dreams are for our life. We live far below what God has for us. You know, folks, God has big dreams for our life. God has big plans for our life. But we want to hold on to our system. We want to hold on to what we believe will make life the best it can be. Whether that be money, whether that be cars, whether that be children, whether that be education, whether that be jobs, whatever it may be, we would rather hold on to that than to go on this great adventure that God has for our life. And I can tell you God has a great adventure for your life. But we want to hold on to our system, our way of living, our way of doing things. You know, and that's an exciting invitation, but I realize it's a scary one. It's a scary invitation. It's an invitation that's extended to every believer in this room today, every believer in the cafe, every believer that's worshiping online with us today, wherever, every believer. So the question today is this, are you struggling to find your identity? Maybe you're like the rich young ruler and you have defined yourself by the size of your bank account or the neighborhood you live in or the car you drive or the clothes you wear or the vacations you take, whatever it may be. And if you're really, really honest with God and with yourself, you realize that your identity and your worth is wrapped up in what you own. Now you have to be really, really honest with that. You see, if, if so, Jesus is offering you the same invitation. He offered the rich young ruler the same invitation that he's offering to us today. Give up trying to find who you are and what you own. And give all that you are and all that you have to Jesus so that you can truly discover who you are and what your purpose for life is and go on this great adventure that God has for you. And it's greater than what you are living right now, many of you. He has a great adventure. God gave me this story when I, this series was first born in our hearts. In staff meeting, I was in there, and Gay is taking us through this process of, uh, of, of looking at people and talking about uh, people who want to discover their identity, and they're trying to find their identity, and it was like, bang, it was in my mind. Do a series on identity, because I was at that point, had none. And if you've ever never had Colin breathing down your neck saying, what is, what's the next series? What's the next series? What's the next series? <laughs> I want to change my email address. <laughs> Come on, God didn't know me yet. Anyway, I'm just messing with you, Colin, kind of. Um, <laughs> but I, when he gave me this story, I began to struggle with it. And this week we were on our staff retreat, and, and that's a terrible place to try to do a message. And I got up every morning at 6 o'clock, and I'm sitting out in the living room at this beautiful house. Mark Batterson's got this beautiful house, and he's so generous. He gives it to us every year for our staff retreat. And it's on the lake, and we're just, and I'm sitting out there trying to focus, and I just could not. I had plenty of thoughts and plenty of stuff, and I was written all this stuff down, but I couldn't land this boy. You know, I couldn't land it. You know, when I, when I normally do a sermon, I find out something to start with that might get you to think, well, this might be all right. This might be a good sermon. And then I try to say, well, how am I going to end it? You know, what's, what's, what's the closing? What do I want people to get from this? And I write that. And then I put all this other junk in between there just so I can hold you here for a long time. <laughs> so you can't go home early. And you got to listen to me. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not. But I'm praying, God, how can I land this message? God, what do you want us to get from this? I don't think of just you. I think, God, what do you want us to get from this message? 
Why do you have me here? And I believe that he said this to me on Saturday morning. It's about time, God. Let me do this to you a little bit. Well, you got to hang on to the end. I, I'm, he, he wants to tell us that he loves us. If you look at our story, he looked at that man and he said, he looked at him with love. He loved him. I mean, here's this man that's coming to him and, 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 and he's saying to Jesus, what must I do? And, and he said, I loved him. He loved him. And, and, and I think what God is saying to us, that, that God has so much more for us than how much money we have or what we own. I'm going to tell you, folks, God has much more for us than we're living day in and day out in our lives. And we got to let go so that God can do his work in our lives so that we can go on this grand adventure that God has for us. I got to tell you, we got to let go. And the more I let go, the bigger my life gets and the more God uses me in ways that I never dreamed possible in my life. And he wants to do that in your life. And as long as, the, as, long as those things are more important, more important to you than a fully committed relationship with God, you will never, ever be all that God wants you to be, and you'll never discover his purpose and your identity in Christ. You'll have an identity. You see, guys, it wasn't about the rich young ruler's money. It wasn't about the poor. It was about what and who was first place in this guy's life. You see, God had so much more for him than only being known as the rich young ruler. Imagine this with me. Get to the end of your life. Get to the end of your life and Pastor's doing a funeral, and he's the casket's here, and and the pastor says, "This was this man owned all the possessions he could handle. He was rich. He had everything. I mean, he had more money and more possessions than anybody else ever owned." And then he began to think, "Well, what else can I say about him?" What do you want to get to the end of life and people say about you that you had a great career with the government? Man, that's good, but man. Or that you, you went to the best college in the whole land, the University of Virginia? I mean, that he was an Abbott Washington Redskin fan? That, that'll mess you up, that's no question. I mean, seriously, what do you want to be known by as a rich young ruler? Do you want to be known you had a great bank account? Do you want to be known that you graduated from the best college in the world and you had the best job in the world? Or do you want to be known for a man or a woman who surrendered their life to God and God took them on an adventure that they never dreamed possible for their life? This is a guy that's standing before you that's living a dream life. And he wants that for all of us. Is it, a, is it an easy life? No, life isn't easy. Is there ever any problems? Sure. But when you lay your head down at night, you know that you just know that you know that you're living all that God wants you to live. There's no better place to be in the whole world. And God is giving you that invitation today. You see, God had so much more for him. I hope you understand that I'm not saying having money in the bank or living in a nice home or in a certain neighborhood or driving a nice car or wearing nice clothes or going on great vacations and traveling the world. I'm not saying that's wrong. It's not wrong. 
I'm not saying that. But what I am saying to you, if those things are keeping Jesus from being number one in your life, and if those things are keeping you from discovering your identity and your purpose in Christ, then it is wrong for you. If there is something, whether it's money, whether it's whatever it might be, that is standing, a relationship, whatever, that is standing between you and God, and God doesn't have first place in your life because you're unwilling to surrender that thing to God, you will never, you will never discover your God-given purpose. You might discover your purpose that the world has for you, but that's small beans compared to the purpose that God has for your life. You can't let those things how will you respond to this message today? Will you, will you be honest and, and admit that you're kind of like the rich young ruler? Or will you leave here sad and spend the rest of your life trying to buy, you, buy your worth and your identity? So, buddy, are, are you saying if I really want to be fully committed to Jesus and find my identity in Jesus as I am, I will have to give all my money to the poor? No. But I am saying that if you're not giving back to God whatever he asks of you, whatever he asks of you, whatever it is, then he will never be first place in your life and you'll never discover all that God has for you in your life. So what does he want from me? He wants all of you. He wants all of you. He doesn't want you to hold back anything in your life. He wants you to surrender to him. He wants you to lay your life on the altar of sacrifice and say, God, whatever you want from me, whatever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'm here, God. I'm yours. I'm not holding back anything. If you want all my money to go to the poor, I'm willing, God. God, if you want me to go to Nigeria, I'm willing, God. God, if you want me to work in the nursery, I won't do it, God. <laughs> I hate snakes, but I'd rather handle snakes. No, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But whatever God may have for your life, he wants all of you, which includes your money and your possessions. God's probably not going to ask you to sell all of your possessions and give it to the poor, but he does expect us to give back to him what is his, and you are his. He wants you to give back to him what is his. And the way that we break this cycle of possessions, I believe truly, and remind ourselves every payday that God is first place in my, in my life is through the tithe. Now, I know a lot of you don't like to hear that. I'll get through as quick as I can. But the, but the tithe is the first 10% of what you earn. And you might say, well, buddy, why do I tithe? That's Old Testament. Okay, if that's Old Testament, do what Jesus says. He says, give her all to me. Jesus says, yes, tithe, that is good. But I want even more. You see, because the Bible says why we tithe, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in our lives, in your lives. Listen to me closely, because this is really, really important to me. The church doesn't need your money. That's not why I'm preaching this message. We don't need your money. We count on it because God uses his people to meet the needs of his church. And so we count on it. But we don't need it. I got to tell you, we get by. I can't even tell you why. Sometimes Howard comes to me and says, well, this is what the offering was. And I go, well, let's go out and hang ourselves. <laughs> That's not really, but it's close. It, it's so, 
It's so hard for me at home. You know, it's so hard for me at home. I, I know we tithe. I know we give. And I know we do. And it, you know, but you get to church. We tithe. We give away 12.5% every week off the top the best we can every week. And sometimes I'll say, can we hold on to that? But I'm telling you guys, this message is not because we need your money. If you think that this message is about your money, here's what I want you to do, and this is the truth from the bottom of my heart. I want you to write your check, and I want you to drive on over to LifePoint, and I want you to walk in and say, give this to Pastor Daniel. This is my tithe. Because they might need it, I don't know. This is about you. It's about God. And I can tell you this, God certainly doesn't need your money. Good gracious, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I can't tell you. I, I just got to back up. I mean, last week we were in a place financially, and I think, God, what are we going to do? And just in the nick of time, a miracle. Just in the nick of time, a miracle. And I think about, what did God talk to those people about that? I mean, God, you've been holding on to that for a year? Because <laughs> he wanted me to trust him. He wanted me to trust him. I had to add that because that's the truth. You see, God doesn't need your money. He just wants what it represents. You say, well, what does it represent? First of all, it represents who or what is first place in my life. If you can't trust God with the tithe, what can you trust him with? And, he, and secondly, it represents our heart. Why? Because as I said earlier, it's in the heart that we find our identity and worth. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When, when our worth and identity is wrapped up in our possessions and money, we spend all of our lives thinking about money. We spend all of our lives making money. We try to think, how can I make more money? How can I get more money? I'll work two jobs. I'll get a promotion. I just need more money. And we think about money all the time. Why? Because money is the dearest thing to our heart. We think about money. I got to think about money. How am I going to pay the bills? What? Worrying about money, saving money, spending money, investing money. And we're so afraid that somebody might take some of it. And if they do, then what's going to happen to who I am? What's going to happen to my worth? How in the world am I going to survive in life without my money? And I'm saying to you today, how about trusting God? How about trusting God? And many of you do. Many of us do. You see, we're so afraid. My, all, all Jesus really wanted from the rich young ruler was his heart. He wanted him to put him first. He wanted him to find his worth, his identity, and his purpose in a committed relationship with him. And the rich young ruler... And like the rich young ruler, you and I will have to decide what we're going to, who or what's going to have our whole heart. I suspect the rich young ruler was scared out of his mind, don't you think, when Jesus, I mean, he loved Jesus. He had kept the commands, and he walked up to him, and I mean, I, he had to be a little afraid to walk up to him and say, hey, good teacher. I mean, what a sincere guy. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, looks at him and says, go and sell everything you got. Go and sell everything you got. I, I imagine that guy's going, oh, I can't really care to do this. I'm scared, of, I'm scared to death. What will I live on? How, who will I be known by? Who God? I'm just scared. I mean, I, I would be scared. I mean, if I walked up to God, God said, what do you want me? And God says, get rid of it all. Get rid of it all. <laughs> and I bet you when I say tie 10% of your income, some of you go, oh, God, you all got to do that? Oh, I understand that. I can't even, you're, some of you are so broke, you can't even pay attention. <laughs> 
And I know that that's a scary thing to think about giving 10% of your money to God when you can't even think you could pay your electric bill this month. I get that. But I happen to believe in my heart and my life that if you give 10% to God, that your 90% will go further than 100% could ever go. I am a testimony to that, Gay and I. Praise the Lord. And we'll have to decide. We'll have to decide who or what's going to have our heart. and, And I just suspect that that's fearful for somebody. And I imagine that God is speaking to some of you right now. And that some of you are scared to death to respond in a yes to that. And we get that at Salem Fields Community Church. We get that. That is a scary thing. But I've got to tell you, when you step out by faith and serve God, it's a scary thing. Wait till God says, give me that child and lay that child on the altar. Because I've got a call in their life to go serve in a place that you can't even imagine. Your kid's serving at. We get that. We understand that. That's why we do what we do a couple times a year. We do what we call the tithe challenge. And just what I thought, I'd lose that card. I would lose my head if it wasn't tied to my neck. Um, But anyway, I don't have it. Somebody got one I can borrow? Yeah, you don't need that, Jamie. Thank you, buddy. (laughs) Jamie's on the board. (laughs) And I know our board members tithe. Okay, it's a 90-day tithe challenge. Now, what that 90-day tithe challenge says, you give 10% of your income back to God. I also know and hope and pray our staff tithes. You give 10% of your income back to God for 90 days. If he does not bless you and free you from the need to make more and have more and to find your worth and your identity and purpose, after 90 days, we'll give it back to you. Now, that's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, what's the fear in that? You tithe, you give whatever you give for 90 days, and you get to the end of 90 days, and you say, this is a crock of whatever, and all you got to do is call old Howard up and say, Howard, I want my money back. He don't even have to tell me you're gay. You just tell him, I want my money back. It's not what I thought it would be, and no strings attached. In 30 days, we'll have your money back. Okay? So... I know many of you are experiencing financial challenges. I know that this is a step of faith. But this card says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and, I will, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you will not have room enough for it. Test me, and this is a test, 90 days. If you feel in the 90 days your life hasn't been blessed or you haven't been free, freer of money and, and finding purpose in God, We'll give it back to you. And like I said, I know you're facing challenges, and we're committed to helping you. You see, God shares so much wisdom in his Bible, in the word, about not only giving, but also about tips on how to prosper with the money that he's already providing you. We don't need more money. We need more faith and trust in God. God can do more with what we have than we can do with more money in the bank. So to help you, we want to help you maximize every dollar that God has provided for you. So we're hosting a class. And that class is called, I Was Broke and Now I'm Not. That, that's not supposed to go up yet. I understand that, Colin. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to help you budget uh, in ways that really work for you. Become debt-free. Wouldn't you like to say that if you took the principles of a class that you were taught, that you could be debt-free someday? Man. That be free, and that we'll learn to save and invest for future dreams like college and retirement, 
and to leverage the power of, of compound interest to help give and save in an incredible way so you can give more. Because, you know, when God blesses us with more, he just wants us to give more. If you read uh, Corinthians, it tells us that. The class is called, I was broke and now I'm not. Yeah, February 21st to the 28th. So you can sign up out in the lobby. Now, if you take this card and you fill it out, you've got plenty of light. There's ink pens in the front of your chair. No excuse. If you don't have a card, back there is an usher. It's going to give you a card. You can just say, hey, I need a card. Anybody need a card? Don't be. Yeah. Oh, right up here in the front, we need a card. Right up here. Anybody else need a card? One card here, one card there. <laughs> i got to get home. <laughs> There's a card. Anybody else need a card? Right here, we need a card? No, 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 false alarm. <laughs> Got a card. All right, everybody get your card out. Now, those of you who want to put God first in your money and your tithes and in your life and go on this great adventure that God has for you, if you'll fill that out and go out to that table out there, uh, if you want to sign up for the class, you can sign up out there, but if you go out and take your card out there, Pastor Jason or Howard or whoever's working the table will have a free book for you that will help you get started on this incredible journey, okay? And we're not gonna charge you for the book, it's free. So I'll close with this verse, and I love this verse. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Our net worth may shrink when we give, but when it comes to self-worth and identity in Christ and purpose, it only gets larger and larger and larger as we give. Look at the rich young ruler. His life got smaller and smaller and smaller until he was never mentioned again. Giving from the heart is a reflection of who has your heart. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message. We thank you for the word of God. We pray, God, that as people contemplate, as we all contemplate this message, that you would speak to us, Lord. If there's something, God, that I'm holding on to that's keeping me from being all that you want me to be, I know it's not my money, Lord, but if it's anything else, show me, Lord. And Lord, I pray that if there be those that are seated here today and they're holding on to something, whether it be money and possessions or relationships or habits or whatever it may be that affects our relationship with you from being fully committed, God. May today we honor you and may we surrender and give our lives totally to you. Father, I do pray that there will be those who step out today and accept the challenge before them, Lord. God, I, I just pray that their lives, as we begin to give, our lives will get larger and larger and larger, far beyond what we ever imagined. God, I thank you that not only, Lord, do you care about us financially, Lord, but God, you care about us in every area of our life. You're an awesome God. And Lord, I just pray that today that there will be some that God will make you Lord of their lives. There will be some that step out and take the challenge and Lord, I just pray that you bless each and every person in this room. And those online, I pray blessings on them. And I pray for those in the cafe and wherever in the building, parent room. God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would move in these closing moments that we have together. So Lord, we praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.